Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, gearheads. We're celebrating the Max Verstappen win the double one two for max verstappen and sergio perez's teammates which we'll talk about what that's done to the driver standings this is john masco sitting with les kaiser in studio and bob varsha over zoom we talked about the one two but let's look at those driver standings because going into this weekend leclerc had a nice big lead over carlos Sainz, but that has changed with signs having another disaster weekend. Leclerc with 86 points for Stappen now in second with 59. So he's just under that 25-point threshold. Um, and then Perez has moved into third with 54 points. I mean, almost essentially tied with Verstappen. Then George Russell with 49 points. Then Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris up to sixth. Hamilton falling to seventh place. Botas moving up. Close to Hamilton with 24 points. That's interesting. Then Ocon with 20, and then Magnuson with 15, and then Ricardo, Sonoda, Gasly, Vettel, Alonso, uh, Joe Guanyu, Albon, Stroll, and then Schumacher, Hulkenberg, and Latifi, or Latifi, as we say less, uh, with zero <laughs> points there at the end. <laughs> so, uh, Tough but yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah, shake up at the top there, too. And, and, uh, let me look at the, the Constructors' Championship, too, because that's tightened up dramatically after that 1-2 by Red Bull because you got 124 points for Ferrari, but um, Red Bull up to 113. So that has tightened up dramatically. And, man, with the way Red Bull looks this week anyway, that could continue that trend. Mercedes still hanging in there in third with 77 points. So... Yeah, so what do you think about that, Bob, about the fact that McLaren, I mean, excuse me, that Red Bull looks so good this weekend. You know, we were talking about how good Ferrari looked, how balanced the car looked, how they, they the porpoising was under control, and then it looked like they could really run with this, and then boom, Carlos Sainz, you know, finishes poorly, and Leclerc makes a big mistake, and now Red Bull's right back in it. Yeah, and you have to credit Red Bull, who are, you know, with Honda's help, building their own powertrains this year. Uh, problems for Max Verstappen dropping out of two of the races, most recently with a fuel line issue that we were assured by Christian Horner, the team principal, that they have fixed. And apparently, you know, the car is getting more and more bulletproof. 
You know, this is not unexpected given new car blues that we always see up and down the, the motorsport spectrum. Um, but yeah, every race that uh, Max Verstappen has finished this year, he has won with two Grand Prix and the one Saturday victory here in uh, in Imola. So yeah, Red Bull is is asserting themselves. And the question is whether Ferrari, who've gotten off to such a great start coming into this weekend, uh, are going to be able to counterpunch. And hopefully that'll be a battle to follow all year long between Ferrari and Red Bull. And Mercedes, you know, deserves a lot of credit for limiting the damage as best they can thus far with, with their seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton kind of limping around and George Russell carrying the torch for the team. Um, you know, once again, that midfield battle, let's say now joined by Mercedes, McLaren, um, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, you know, lots of good things happening. And uh, every team now has scored at least a point and, uh, and hopefully they will draw even closer together. We certainly saw that at Imola with, uh, you know, long trains of cars and a lot of frustration, very narrow track at Imola, lots of corners coming up. Um, and, and the DRS just didn't seem to be nearly as powerful today as it was yesterday in the sprint race, but you know, that's racing. Yep. Hey, Les, you mentioned that um, there was a really good clip from Lewis Hamilton that it was actually just after qualifying, it wasn't after the race, but, right. but um, let's hear that because it talks about, you know, his situation. Let's hear from Lewis Hamilton. Uh, well, I, I lost points. So uh, I lost positions. So it wasn't a rescue. Um, unable to do that today, unfortunately. Uh, the cars felt like it's felt all year, so not that great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm be, it's, it's, yeah, we're faced with this, this issue. It's, it is just, there's nothing I can do. All I'm doing is uh, trying to do the best job I can. Some weekends it goes well, some weekends it doesn't, but we're obviously not uh, fighting for the championship. Um, we're, we're fighting for, you know, to get into top 10. Listen to how deflated he sounded. Yeah. There's like zero confidence. I'm just going to tread water. Mm-hmm. It's so different. You know, I, I expected Hamilton to, to be reacting differently right now. You know, Cause he's been so, um, I'm not, I can't come up with the word right now because it's, you know, he's been so quick to thank his team and everything else before, but right now he's just really on the back foot uh, in these interviews too. Besides on the race, track. exactly. You know the boxing analogy. He's usually on his toes and he's up and he's poised. But now he's knocked back on his heels, just trying to get his wits back about him and and get some kind of bearing for what's going on here. And uh, yeah. you know the, he and Toto had their uh, the in the face conversation last week, and you know I mean that that got a lot of traffic just in the social media but yeah you know toto's putting pressure to fix the dang car somebody you know yeah. uh, it, and, I, and and to extend your point less if toto is zeroing in on wherever he sees the weakness if it's the mechanics if it's the engineers if it's the drivers and uh although nobody's talking it certainly looked like toto was asking lewis what is your problem um, during that face-to-face earlier this weekend. Uh, yeah, Lewis, in, in that interview, it's tra- two things that could be happening. Number one, the drivers never want to let on what the problem is, you know, if, you know that uh, the car is wrong in some way. They're not going to tell you exactly what that is, and sometimes they stumble around 
trying to figure out a way to not tell you anything about it. Or the opposite is what you you nailed there, Leslie, just sounds totally uh, at a loss. You know, he yeah. can't figure out what's happening. He's his the brakes are not falling his way. The car is not working for him. And and, you know, as I suggested over the course of the, the two shows today that that uh, Mark Schurer said the problem is Lewis has never been in this situation um, in his Mercedes career. You know, the car has always been fabulous for him and uh, he's piled up all these race wins and pole positions and world championships. And now for the first time, he's having to deal with a car that doesn't measure up to the ones he's had in the past. And he's not quite sure what to do with it. I think the other day, Lewis said, this is the worst car he's had since his 2009 McLaren before he left the team, you know, the year after his world championship, he said that car was, you know, basically undrivable. So, you know, here he is with another situation and you got to reach all the way back to 2009 to try to figure out what to do about it. Well, I'll tell you what, I would not want to be sitting in Bono's, uh, Peter Bonington's seat right now, the, the race engineer for, or he's the primary engineer for the Mercedes team. You know, he's got to be, yeah, he's got to be pulling so much data and, you know, they've got, you know, the world's largest data team looking at it probably. Well, you know, we were talking about this yesterday in a pre-production call, Bob, about how some discussion about Lewis Hamilton not doing great unless the car is great around him. And clearly he did great with a great car. That's, there's not, that's not to be argued, but I don't know if I if I buy that that he's that he's got to have that right car. I mean, <laughs> today there was a the the difference between Russell and and Lewis. There was definitely mm-hmm. some luck involved there for <clears throat> sure. But you know we've now seen uh, Russell look better or finish better than Lewis two races in a row and more than that if you include the sprint and qualifying he he's definitely struggling and i you know i don't i don't know i feel like that hamilton it's not going to be just the car that i mean that he has to have this perfect car i think it's it's beyond that but hey we got a couple of good quotes on youtube i want to bring up um doug toe says didn't jamie chadwick do an amazing job all weekend i i'm a huge jamie chadwick fan and that's good to hear um uh somebody says being nagin says um Hamilton is good if the car is best. Something happens in the car is an average driver. Exactly what I was just arguing against. Uh, Frank Kotwitz says, happy birthday to the goat, Bob Varsha. Oh, so, <laughs> that's a nice word. Thank but, you. A lot of people have said very kind things, and I appreciate every one of them. Yeah, and we thank everybody for tuning in on YouTube. <clears throat> but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I don't know if I, if I buy this about Hamilton. I just think that he's – He's just on the back foot right now. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, well, look at look at Michael Schumacher in his, what, three years with Mercedes after he came back from his first retirement at Ferrari. Um, you know, the car didn't suit him. And another guy in that conversation for the greatest Formula One driver of all time couldn't do anything with it. You know, it's the car has a lot to do with it. Granted, you know, some drivers are better than others. Um, but, you know, even the very best uh, can't do anything with a car that won't perform the way they want them to start with, you know, Fangio and go as far back as you like. Um, that's why drivers move around a lot looking for the best car that they can find. I mean, Fangio, uh, you know, one 
five world championships for four different manufacturers because he kept looking for the best car and going there. And, um, you know, that's part of a race driver's job as a professional is to maximize his opportunities. You know, uh, in the parallel sport motor GP, I think of what Ducati went through a couple of years ago where it didn't seem like anybody could grab a hold of the handlebars and keep it in its best performing state. Uh, Ducati made differences and changes and including drivers and it, they finally gripped it and came together and MotoGP related. Okay. Moto2 related. I got to shout out a big kudos yeah. to our buddy, Joe Roberts, just one motor two. Sorry if that was a buzz kill or a ruined a surprise for you today. Well, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. I should have started. Hey, I should have. Uh, <laughs> dude, Joe Roberts. No, but isn't that uh, exciting? An American uh, winning a race yeah. in Mo at Moto Two, man. That's that's exciting. But uh, I don't see driver of the day announced. But that gives us an opportunity to pick our own. And uh, I'll let you go first, Les. Oh man. Well. I was going to go <laughs> with Norris. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I'm looking at as, as a picture of him and his big smile. And I was thinking the same thing. I think Norris nailed it. I mean, he did everything right. You know, uh, he's pretty much steady Eddie. I feel like most of the time in his personality, demeanor and on the track. I'm, I'm a Norris fan. Uh, we've got Chris Medland out at the circuit. We're having a little trouble getting him live with cell connections out there, but he's got some clips coming in. So we're going to be, we got some of those we're going to play here in just a moment. Looks like he's got Zach Brown. Oh, he's got Kevin Magnuson again. Um, but yeah, but before we do that, uh, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy, located at Speed Sports Park, just down the road in Houston, is designed to teach driving skills at all levels. Allen Rudolph trained NASCAR Cup champion Chase Elliott on road course racing and American F3 driver Jack Crawford and Jackson up-and-coming pilot and with his goal of becoming a Formula One driver with Red Bull. And this week at Emola, Jack finished second in the feature race and, and and after he finished third in the sprint race, he was the only driver to podium in both races. That's good on him. Way to good go, to Jack. see Good to see some Americans doing good. And whether you like to learn to race for fun or for competition, Alan and his instructors will teach the concepts and skills you need to get behind the wheel and on the track, we'll experience the thrill and speed of kart racing. Visit speedsportsracingpark.com, and that's speedsports with a Z for more information. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our first break, and then when we come back, we'll have some of those clips. We'll hear from Zach Brown, Kevin Magnuson, and more. You listen to Speed City live from Austin, back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. 
Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, well, we've got some clips that Chris sent us, but before we do that, we've got to get a quick caller in. We got Andy P, and I know why Andy P's calling. What's up, Andy? Well, you got, I got to check in when my boy gets on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Good, uh, good on you, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, uh, did not expect that at all. Um, obviously, you know, was was shocked with the the Friday qualifying, and then kind of brought back down to reality. But you know, I guess that's why you play the game. You play the whole thing out. Um, yeah, I don't get what Leclerc was doing. He he was fine in P three, and he, he just lost it. Yeah, and I see your uh, your boys are doing good in the constructors championship as well, and up to up to fourth with forty six points. They're they're chasing down Mercedes. That's got to sound good, right? From where they've been to where, if you had told me after the first round that that's what they'd be doing, uh, I'll take that all day long. Yep. Well, Andy, we got a bunch of clips. We're going to let you go, buddy. We really appreciate hey, I ask. it. Andy, are you coming to Austin this year? Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I don't think I've missed one of those yet. Good man. <laughs> I will good be man. there. Good man. Well, I want to tell you, single-day tickets have been released. Saturday is sold out. There's still some Fridays, and there's some pending Sunday seats to be released. So just be aware. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate you calling in. Have a good one. 
All right. Uh, let's see. I think we may have Chris on. Uh, Chris Medlin joining us from the circuit. And let's see. Hello, we... everyone. Ah, there he is. How's it going, Chris? <laughs> Not too bad. I'm, I'm stealing the Prelly Wi-Fi again. There you go. <laughs> frowning at me, but I've got it. I've got it. So, uh, yeah. Been running up and down the paddock annoying people and then uh, stopped here to be able to talk to you well, guys. Well, just tell Mateo who you're calling. <laughs> Yeah, oh, oh, they understand. They understand. And I've, how many plugs have I given Pirelli's Wi-Fi network now? So <laughs> everyone knows in, if they ever make it to their F1 paddock, where to go to send their photos. There you go. Send the bill to John Messing. <laughs> <laughs> this segment brought to you by Pirelli's Pirelli Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Chris. Well, hey, Chris, it sounds like you've got some uh, some interviews in the can for us, and we're going to play those here in just a moment. Can you set those up for us a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I managed to grab a little bit of uh, Zach Brown, actually. Very happy man, obviously, with Lando's <laughs> podium. So after that call just then, yeah, it'd be good to hear what he had to say. Obviously, he's a little bit downbeat in terms of what happened with Daniel. But uh, yeah, good to see uh, McLaren getting themselves on the podium, which, as we said, that did not look like earlier in the year. I actually grabbed Helmut Marco as well, uh, because that is Red Bull. I'm sure someone's mentioned it, but Red Bull's first one, two since 2016. So it's wow. been a long wait. And and uh, yeah, Malaysia 2016, the last time they had a one two. So uh, he said he actually kind of predicted it because he told Checo he had to do it, essentially. Uh, but he also told me I had to be quick with the interview because he was hungry. So that's why you'll hear me at the end. Uh, <laughs> let him go for some food. <laughs> OK. <laughs> and I heard you got Kevin Magnuson, too. I did, yeah. Caught up with Kevin to see how he felt with ninth place, a couple, couple more points. Um, we had a quick walk and talk as he headed down the paddock. Uh, and also chat with uh, Fred Vasseur as well, um, which was noisy at the time. But uh, yeah, I managed to chat to Fred about how Alfa Romeo had managed to pick up some more very solid points with Alfie Bottas and how close he got to George Russell late on there. Mm. Well, I, I want you to uh, chase down and see if you can get anybody from the Mercedes team. I know it's been <laughs> – well, it's just because it's just such an, an interesting story right now where they end up. I mean, it's really, really crazy that that we're looking at, at Lewis Hamilton down where he is. And, of course, the other side of that being his teammate outperforming him so well right now. Yeah, George has been very impressive, hasn't he? I think it was something that George hinted at yesterday was – that the Mercedes was quicker than it had shown this weekend, but they couldn't overtake people to show it. An incredible start to get himself up to sixth place. And from there, he could show that pace, whereas Lewis was still stuck where he started and, and went nowhere. As we saw, with he was stuck behind Pierre Gasly the whole time. Alex Albon could hold them both off. So it kind of looks like Mercedes don't have that pace advantage they need to come through the field, but it's George who's doing the better jobs at the start at the moment to get himself through and get himself into higher positions that then he can kind of hold on to because the car is quick enough to stay there if it gets up there. Mm. Chris, I got to ask a question. What about Bono? I mean, everybody talks about the drivers and we see Toto and uh, Ham having their uh, passionate discussion last week. What about Bono being the engineer? Is he getting a lot of heat? Well, I mean- is there anything you know of? No, I, I haven't heard of anything. I mean, Lewis has had a really good relationship with, with Pete Bonington for a long time. And, and I don't think that would break down too quickly. I do think, like, Lewis is always very quick during a race to kind of say, look, I rely on you guys. Like, you've got better eyes and ears than I've got right now. You know, they, he wants them to trust his feedback, but he's also going, you see a bigger picture than I see. So, essentially, help me out here. Tell me what's the best thing to do if, if I don't know the whole picture. And when he sees other teams take advantage of situations, that frustrates him. So that's when we sometimes 
uh, get Lewis complaining a bit, but that tends to then be more aimed at like strategists rather than Bono. So Bono's kind of just, you know, feeding on uh, the info from the strategists, um, what they think is the best move to make. Um, whereas it's not Bono's call, if that makes sense for the strategy. So uh, no, I think, I think those two are okay for now, but it will be frustrating Lewis because he's just not getting the results that he probably feels like he, he deserves in that car because George is getting them. So he's, he's thinking, well, you know, the team is showing, the car is showing it could be there. Something's not going right. And when you're a seven-time world champion, you tend not to think it's going to be you. So, um, yeah, the, the frustration is going to grow pretty pretty quickly, actually, I think. Well, Chris, I know you're, you're tied to the Wi-Fi, so we will untether you and let you run, and we're going to play some of these clips, and we'll, maybe we can catch up with you later in the show. Sounds good. I'll, uh, I'll stop by probably the next time I run by as well and, uh, and say hello again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. And thanks, Pirelli. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, Pirelli, yes. All right, well, let's go ahead and play some of these clips. And let's let's hear from Helmut Marco first, because you got to go to him, like Chris said, with that great one-two and been such a long time since Red the, Bull's done that. He is the Red Bull, one of the Red Bull engineers. Yeah, let's go ahead and hear from him right now. Dr. Marco, the first one-two since 2016 for Red Bull. I, I can't believe it's been so long, but how proud are you to see the, the team deliver like this? Uh, we are very proud, and that was funny. I, I, I told uh, Paris before the start, uh, we have to have a one-two so we can catch up. And after here and everybody said, you ask, so we did. So if it is easy like that, we will tell them more often. But it's very satisfying. And after the problems we had in Melbourne and in the first race, and we showed we have the potential, we have the speed to react. And the fact it was a sprint weekend as well, Max getting maximum points from Saturday and today must really give the team a lot of confidence. Yeah, uh, I mean, we were brave. We brought an update and with a sprint format, you just have one session to adjust and this session was partly wet, so it was even more difficult, but we believe and we trusted our aerodynamic. That's how our chief of the aerodynamic was on the podium and it proved to be right but that's maxi's uh, driver who attacks and we also we are we i wouldn't say aggressive but we are not sitting on the backside and waiting if something is coming we go forward and work for it all right certainly worked this weekend and, and max we know can deliver those sorts of results but how important was it to see checo do exactly what you brought him in to do and back him up with second place Jacko was second already in Australia and he would have been second without the fuel problem in the first race. So he's improving, he's much closer to Max now and he's a very good team player. You saw they were like a cover on the podium, so the whole atmosphere is, is really good and that makes his, the team so strong. Thank you very much. I'll let you go and grab some food now. Hey, and I want to clarify, so in Helmets, current role he is a special advisor he is not the team engineer but uh, he's also got an interesting history and uh, if you ever see him you you may recognize that he's blind in one eye well that goes back to a really interesting situation where a uh, a rock during a race was kicked up by one of the race cars and uh, penetrated his his uh, visor and protection but uh, he's an advisor he kind of sits between the drivers. He sits amongst the team, engineers, just everything about it, and uh, consults. All right, well, we've got a couple more clips I want to get in here. Let's, um, uh, Casey, producer, let's go with Zach Brown next with uh, Lando finishing on the podium. Let's hear from Zach. Zach, 
I never thought I'd be saying this at the fourth round after the start of the season you had, but you're on the podium. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be saying that either, but uh, what a great race. Uh, Lando drove unbelievably well. Really good pit stops. Uh, unfortunate for Daniel to get uh, tangled up at the start because I think he, he had strong pace. We tried something different with uh, tire change at the end, and, um, you know, we got one car there and unfortunate on the other. How impressed are you with the way the team's turned things around, though? Because I know Bahrain was maybe an outlier, but even in Jeddah, you didn't look all that competitive. And, and right now, you're taking advantage of results like this. Yeah, the team's doing a great job. I'm, uh, I'm probably happiest about the pit stops because that's something that's always in your control. In the last couple of years, we've struggled with that, and we had some great stops again today. So uh, a great recovery from the team from the first race of the year. Keep your head up, and uh, but it's going to be a tough year. Yeah, I was going to say, what's possible? Do you know yet, or is it going to be up and down? No, I think everyone's still trying to figure out these, these cars, and... Um, you know, Mercedes was on the podium at the first race. Thank you very Great much, job. boss. Um, Stefano's happy for you as well. And, uh, you know, and then look, they're, you know, off the pace here. And you see that with a lot of the, the teams. So uh, I think it's going to be an exciting year for the fans of Formula One. And a good time to have this sort of form heading into Miami. Yeah, let's just hope we can repeat it in Miami. It's going to be such a high-profile event. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Well, good luck with that one and well done today. Thank you very much. Yeah, man, he sounded upbeat, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He didn't even have to let Daniel drive a NASCAR. <laughs> hey, speaking of Miami, I, we just had somebody ask us on YouTube. They said, are y'all going to be live in Miami? Yes, we are going to be. Bob Varsha is going to come down and join us. It's going to be great to have you in the booth with us. Yes, sir. We're, We're getting gonna, the band back together. We got, we got hotels. We got flights. We got Miami coming up. It is uh, That is going to be awesome. And... Um, uh, I want to, uh, you know what? It's time. We probably should get a break in pretty quick here, but, but I, I want to tease this something. It's just a little bit because, you know, we haven't mentioned Andretti F1 in a little while, and we just talked about Miami. So, uh, I'll just let that stew in y'all's brain just a little bit, and then we'll go to break and then we'll talk about that. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin and we'll be back after a quick break. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, Allstott Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no... Uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special? The water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Allstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because, obviously, Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So 
So check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer. But uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Austin's Talk 1370. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. You got to go to Jay Leno's Garage the last, didn't you? Yeah. I just realized that. Yeah, when I, heard... I was there uh, a week before last. Had a good time visiting and uh, visiting... Uh, Jay's garage, seeing all of that, spent the That's a bucket uh, part list, of the man. Oh, it, it's it is. Uh, you know, L.A. If you're into the cars, motorsports, go to L.A. I, I can't get and, you and in if you're not, but, why are you listening to this show? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> Buttons broken. <laughs> but uh, yeah, made it to the Peterson Museum and uh, into the vault. I strongly encourage that. Oh yeah, I've not done either, and they're both on my bucket list, but. Hey, when we went to break, I said I wanted to talk about Andretti Formula One effort that's underway, that's stalled, or where, we don't know where it is, actually. But And I know nothing, but I just talked about if something were to get announced, wouldn't you think that Miami be would be a great place for that? Gosh, it sure. seems poignant. Yeah, <laughs> It seems like the perfect place. I've, I don't know anything. It just occurred to me. We're talking about Miami. I thought, wait a minute. So who knows? Maybe we'll we'll keep our ear to the ground for that. But hey, we got a couple of clips, and I want to uh, that Chris Medlin just got for us a few minutes ago, fresh off of the uh, of the microphone. So I want to let's start with Frederick Vasseur. He is the uh, the team boss for the Alfa Romeo team. Let's hear from Vasseur. Fred, I imagine you're a happy man right now with a factory strong result there. Yeah, sure. That's a very strong result for us. A good weekend, uh, except on the damages, but <laughs> at least on the recent side, it's a good one. It was a good one yesterday, a good one today, and uh, we had a, a very strong pace into the race. We came back from something like uh, 12 seconds away of Russell to almost be able to overtake him in the last uh, two laps. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure, it's a good one. And, uh, we are scoring good points also for the championship and uh, it would be a good boost for the track for everybody to the team. We had a tough weekend into the garage and a uh, tough weekend also for the stock of part. But uh, let's think about this later on that uh, we have to enjoy the points. Man, hasn't Botas been one of the surprise, fun, exciting stories of this year? Don't you think, Bob? Oh, absolutely. You know, him... His personal battle, if that's what it is, with his former employers at Mercedes is fun to watch. 
uh, and the announcers caught on to it as uh, you know, as he was trying to come around to get first to get Lewis and then to get uh, um, George Russell chasing him, chasing him, chasing him. Uh, just one of those battles where the DRS didn't seem to make a difference and, and drivers had a tough time getting around, but you can be sure Botas threw everything he had at George Russell. Yeah. You know, Botas, the, the dig when he was at Mercedes to me, in my mind was first of all, he's a great second driver, right? But the dig was that he, he couldn't, that he wasn't as aggressive as he, as he needed to be at times but he's been fun to watch and I've been rooting for him every time he gets behind a Mercedes. So that's, that's been great. But um, we have another clip. I want to play this one more. We've got uh, Kevin Magnuson who finished, where did he finish ninth today? Yep. So yeah, let's see. This is Chris Mendelin just a few minutes ago with Kevin Magnuson at Imola. Kevin, we spoke to you before the race and we're, we're going to grab you quickly after it. Just to say, are you satisfied with ninth today? Yeah, I can't say I'm not. Uh, we, we scored two points in the main race, got one point in the sprint race. Uh, so, you know, it's been a good start to the season. If you count the sprint race, then we have we had five races and we scored points in, in four. So uh, we've we got to keep that run going, keep scoring points, uh, keep improving like we are. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the year. How tricky was it out there today, getting the, the tyre choice at the right time? And you looked like you were struggling with your inters in that first stint. Um, no, I wasn't really. I, I was having having a good time on the Inter. It uh, when it dried up, it fell apart, and you just sort of had to start pushing even more to get that damaged rubber off. And then uh, it, it sort of came back. But yeah, it was um, tricky conditions. Always always fun uh, in those conditions. Um, it's a shame it didn't rain the whole race because I think we were a little more competitive in in wet conditions. But yeah, anyway, two points. All, uh, all good. Well done today. Thank you. Yeah, two points. That puts him at 15 points in 10th place. Just ahead of Ocon and just, excuse me, just ahead of Ricardo and just behind Ocon. And I feel sorry for myself when I hear these drivers, some of whom are very, very fluent in English. And I think to myself, that's not even their first language. <laughs> uh, and, and yesterday after the sprint race, we heard... Uh, uh, Charles Leclerc, you know, speak to the uh, interviewer in English and then turn to the, the massive crowd on the hillside, speak to them in Italian. And uh, you can be sure when he went back to uh, to his friends on the phone, he spoke to them in French. So, gee whiz. Yeah. When you say that, it reminds me of um, our friend, our Russian friend. Um, why am I Do we have about? Russian friends? Well, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. We used to. No, uh, I was talking about Nikita Mazepin and how well, how how great yeah. his English is. But yeah, but it reminds me of the story where uh, I guess about a week ago, we you know, since between the Formula One races, he came out and claimed cancel culture against my country, and Ugh. I I, th I mean, and then the claim by Yurikali to for Haas to repay. The thirteen million dollars they already paid them, uh, these guys just don't get it. I'm sorry. For one, yeah. Nikita Mazepin does he not understand that his dad is one of the panel you know, list? Yeah, one one of the inner circle of Putin, it. and and where does he think all that family money came from? Off yeah. the backs of you know who knows where all that money came from. And yeah. sorry, I I just I have no 
sympathy. I think he just needs to step away from the Zoom account and let everybody let you know because it was just absurd. It was just laughable. Take his fertilizer and go. <laughs> well, they they took his home. Apparently, the Italians seized a God. What did they say? A hundred and fifteen yeah. million dollar property that he owned in uh, in Italy somewhere. And Mazepin had the, the gall to go out there and start a, apparently a foundation to support Russian athletes who are so put upon by the rest of the world. Gee whiz, poor things. Yeah. A uh, couple comments on YouTube. The Flipics, Fliplix, whatever you say, that says super early, but do you feel Vegas next year will raise ticket prices more than Miami has? Uh, from what I'm hearing about the demand on hotel rooms, I don't know if you guys heard this, but there were two, the two biggest hotels or two major hotels said they've never seen demand like this ever. We're talking Las Vegas. This is, yeah. a, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the hotel demand capital of the planet. So to answer that question, more than likely, those tickets are going to be pretty hard to come by and pretty expensive. That's astonishing to me, considering Vegas is a huge convention uh, center. Uh, they host, you know, the National Association of Broadcasters and the Consumer Electronics Shows in this vast convention center with tens of thousands SEMA. of attendees. Uh, yeah. Yep. And SEMA as well. And yet, uh, yeah, the Wynn and the Encore, two hotels owned by Steve Wynn, say they've seen this massive influx. Keep in mind, however, Steve Wynn and his organization has some some pretty close automotive ties. There used to be, I don't think it's there anymore, but there used to be a Ferrari dealership in which Roger Penske had an interest in the, uh, in the uh, Wynn hotel. Hmm. So there's uh, you know, there, there may be stuff going on there. Nobody uh, promotes quite like Vegas. So good yeah. on them. Hey, I was looking at my notes from the race. There was definitely a couple of things we haven't touched on. Uh, one of them, did you guys see another great pit stop? Uh, by the McLaren team. Lando mm-hmm. Norris had a 2.2. Yep. And let's see, who else had one? Um, I guess Verstappen had the next fastest. If You know, we think of Red Bull as the pit yeah. stop king. They had a 2.3. Right. Correct. 2.3. 2.3, yep. And um, any other super fast ones, less on your notes? Uh, those were the two that I had there. There were a couple of things that... Oh, Ricardo had a 2.4. That was the other one. There you yeah. go. So... I like that McLaren was is now up there performing. Like I said, I mean, we've always looked at Red Bull in the past couple of years as being the king of, you know, pit stops. And uh, I like that McLaren's coming in and taking advantage of that as well. To me, just honestly, the entire grid is is shuffled again, and we're we're seeing so much different uh, strategies and improvements from each of the teams. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned after, I don't know if it was Australia or the race before it in Saudi Arabia, I mentioned that McLaren really had become the stars of pit lane speed and producing consistently the quickest pit stops up and down the pit lane. And I'd love to know how that came about. And I'm guessing that uh, Andreas Seidel, who was the team principal over from Porsche, um, has a lot to do with that because that was always kind of a hallmark of Porsche's factory racing operations was really good, consistent, fast pit work. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Andreas had a hand in that. Speaking of that flavor of car, Porsche. <laughs> so I had the opportunity to speak to some folks in Porsche in LA while I was out there. 
and they were absolutely mum, almost faking. Almost too mum? Yeah. Uh, if there was uh, really any direction towards F1. And uh, like I said, oh, hmm. it reminded me of Bernie Ecclestone the first time we interviewed him. Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't believe you. <laughs> that is yeah. going to be an exciting story, depending on how they come in. You know, do they come in and yeah. just slap their name on a car, or do they come in with a power unit? I really think in uh, talking to a few other folks that are a little closer into the business side of racing, they're going to come in with a power unit and provide it yeah. to somebody. I've heard the same thing that Porsche is okay with just being a power unit supplier. Audi, their sister company, on the other hand, wants to have a factory team. And um, so they're sniffing around trying to get something worked out. Apparently they talked to McLaren at one time, but that wasn't going to happen. So, uh, you know, they're looking elsewhere. It could be a Haas, could be a, you know, an Alfa Romeo, I should say. Um, it's hard to say right now, but apparently that's Audi's plan. Well, I hear Volkswagen is uh, going to build boats that actually float. But <laughs> no. Uh, man, wouldn't it be awesome to have a Porsche power unit oh, in yeah, Formula yeah, 1? Yeah, you know it. And, you know, you know we've got to get we've got to get the uh, emotive is the word that they came up with. And I like that word because it is definitely not an emotional. You don't get excited to hear as well, maybe a little, but not like the old days listening to a Formula 1 car. The scream. Right yeah. I was uh, out at Coda yesterday for the Porsche Cup group and watching those. And it is, you know, uh, as I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh, they sound so different. And I said, you know, it's a voice. It's the configuration of that engine that make it sound different. The exhaust, it's all those things. And I said, treat it like a voice. And you yeah. really start recognizing them. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a couple comments here on, on uh, YouTube. Has a Vegas date been finalized? That's I have not funny. seen it. I don't, I don't think it has. Do you know, Bob? No, haven't heard. I, I don't think it has. I mean, obviously, they're saying the second or third Saturday. Remember, it's a Saturday race. It's a Saturday night race, but it's second or third Saturday yeah. is in November, like Thanksgiving Saturday. Prior, no, no. Uh, or, I did see somewhere that they've confirmed that Thanksgiving would not be it, and I think that's probably a wise idea in this country. I, I think yeah. so, but I thought I heard, I thought I saw the opposite of that, that it was still in play. But anyway, so the answer to that is no. And then another question, Zach, post-race, did they say they have focused on pit stop? Oh, he did say, did say they have focused on pit stop. It's the only thing they can truly control in the race. Yeah. And that's good because it's paying off with those numbers we were talking about. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get our last break in. And when we come back, uh, we have we have a clip from Alexander Alban, actually a little interview that Chris Medlin did for us, and some more. You listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after a quick break. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. 
VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young, single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 US Championship, they also have programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. To join the team, drop them a DM on Instagram at Velocity underscore RD. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Hey, Bob Varsha, you, uh, you had talked about that funny dinner table photo with every single team manager. Is that right? Yeah, plus uh, Stefano Domenicali, the CEO of Formula One, and Ross Braun, who runs the technical operations for the team. You can find it on the uh, McLaren stream on Twitter. Uh, I refer to it as an update of Da Vinci's Last Supper. (laughs) All of the team principals there with the big bosses. And uh, yeah, it's a challenge. See if you can name all of them. Um, it's, uh, It's cute. I don't know what the story is behind it. I think it's probably a great idea. Um, yeah, for them to all get together and have some wine. I saw wine yeah. on the table. Yeah, I wonder how, how many times they wine? plan to do such a thing this year. But we'll see. Maybe we go to Miami and they'll uh, they'll buy dinner for us. <laughs> <laughs> now you're dreaming. Yeah, yeah speaking, right. Speaking of buying dinner, Les, who picked up that check? Yeah, I, I'm thinking it had to be Stefano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Um, we have a, we have a, let's play this clip. It's, um, it's an interview that Chris Medlin did for us a couple days ago. Uh, I wish I remember exactly which day. I'm sorry. But anyway, he caught up with Alexander Albon before the weekend and uh, some fascinating stuff. And we're going to play as much of that as we can now. And we'll put the rest up on social, but we'll hear a few minutes of it right now. Let's hear from, um, Chris Medlin with Alexander Albon. Alex, thank you very much for joining us. You look absolutely buzzing you don't actually now you do because you, you smiled at that but are you still on a bit of a, a high after melbourne yeah no it feels good it feels like um well we've had two weeks in between so the 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 buzz has, has died off a little bit but i still look back at it as a as a very good race and you know it was a it was a pretty special moment you know after thinking about how it went um yeah it was a it was a it was more it makes me smile more because of how we did it. It was just so out of the ordinary. Not only was it out of the ordinary, though, you were quick. Like, it wasn't like you kind of, something crazy had to happen. You just genuinely drove quickly on very old tyres. I mean, what's it done for your confidence in this team and this car, I guess? Yeah, and I would say that, you know, people pointed out, you know, it was lucky that, you know, Lance was in the way and all that kind of thing. We were fast, you know. We, we generally pulled away from people. We were pulling away from people in much quicker cars normally um, on much fresher tyres. So uh, as, as a team, as for me and myself as well, it gives us a glimmer of hope and it shows that you know, in the right places, in the right way, there is lap time in the car. We just need to exploit it. We need to find it more. We need the balance to feel more like it did in Melbourne because you know, during that race, the car felt, felt amazing, um, which isn't always the case. There's a, it's a bit more of a, a diva to get right. Um, and so if we can hit that stride more often, then uh, you know, hopefully more points to come. If I'm being honest, 
having watched the car sort of trackside at Tessie at times and at the first few races, it has looked a real handful to drive. Is that the first time you've actually seen that positive aspect of it? We, we always have moments. During a weekend, there's always some moments that we, we feel good in the car. And it's normally in qualifying when things start to come good. When you take away the fuel loads and put sticky tyres on, of course, everything starts to feel a bit better. But, but for us, it's more than most people. And um, uh, I would say in all three instances in qualifying, we, we should have easily been in the top 15. I mean, we were one time in Bahrain, but then uh, Jeddah, there was a red flag, I think, and... Um, and then we had uh, Melbourne, which was another red flag. So th- there's there's glimpses of it, and um, it's not like we're scratching our heads, not knowing why the car is tricky to drive. We know the areas we need to focus on. We know the limitations of the car, which makes it much easier than as uh, in feedback and and for the guys back at the factory to know what to work on. All right, well, we've got that entire interview. We'll put that up. Uh, we'll put it up somewhere on social and play it. But we got Chris Medlin live at Emily still. Apparently, he went down to try to get into the Mercedes car. How's it going, Chris? You were very disappointed in me, weren't you? Because <laughs> I didn't manage to get anyone to, to speak on the record. Yes, with your I, head. I went down to Mercedes and found that uh, Toto had gone. Uh, okay. Toto was straight out after he'd done a, a print media session. Um, back to back to base to get on work with basically because we've got you know not a long gap in the sense of changing continents after this race you know they're back in Europe so it's quick to get home but then everyone's heading to Miami next week and they're going early um, they're going out to Miami early for all the events that there's going to be I mean Lewis Hamilton's doing an event with Tom Brady in the lead up um, there's a lot going on so uh, yeah I, I found out the total gone the atmosphere wasn't too bad though uh, the team are kind of you know they're encouraged by what George managed to do and Lewis himself said that he felt that he just wasn't quick enough to get past Gasly said it wasn't frustrating uh, he was he was speaking to the print media at this point and he said it wasn't frustrating but it was more the fact that he just didn't quite have the raw pace in the car to make a move on Gasly and he apologised to the team because he said, you know, George had got himself in a position and took full advantage and showed that this car can score points and I didn't do it today. So uh, it, it was kind of quite self-critical almost and reflective. But one thing he did say, which I don't think will come as a surprise to anyone, but it's, you know, I guess uh, unexpected from the start of the year, uh, seeing it's only four races in, but he did say he's completely out of the championship. That, you know, that, that's just not not something that's uh, a target anymore this year. That's not something he can do. It's just all going to be about trying to claw back the deficit to the cars in front and just improve that Mercedes as much as they can over this season. So uh, he admitted he's in a bit of a bit of a down kind of uh, mood at the moment um, because he was asked again about Miami and whether he's excited about trying to kind of you know bounce back there. And he said, right now, not really, but give me a couple of days and I'll get back to the factory and do what I can. And I'm sure I'll quickly get into a more positive frame of mind and look ahead to how we can improve and be a bit better there. Chris, was that, was that me or you that predicted uh, Lewis Hamilton on the podium this week? I, I, I think that was me, wasn't it? <laughs> that was. I think he might have. Yeah, I'm, I can't remember who I said. To be fair, but I don't think I had Sainz and Leclerc both failing no. on the podium. I'll put it that way. So, um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? No, it was absolutely me. I will fess up. I was. I said, but you know, looking where Russell finished, it wasn't an absurd prediction. But um, but yeah. Uh, hey, Chris, uh, follow up on that Albon. Uh, interview that we just played that you got. When, by the way, when did you get that? Was that like Thursday? Yeah, that was, that was uh, Thursday here at the track, uh, Imola. Um, I've, I've been speaking to the, the Williams team a lot, actually, about uh, Logan Sargent, who uh, had a really, I don't know if we've touched on this this weekend, but uh, today he looked really set for a big result. All weekend he looked set for it. He qualified 10th 
for the F2 race, uh, for the feature race. And that meant he had reverse grid pole for the sprint race yesterday. And he just had a terrible start uh, and, and dropped back. So he didn't manage to capitalize there. And he scored some points, but didn't get the result he really should have. Uh, he ended up sixth, I think, in that race when he looked like he had a chance to win it. But then today he was doing a great job. Uh, recovered from 10th, made a good start, climbed through, strategy came together for him, and he looked set for a second place. He just moved into what was like a net second, and then he ran wide at the chicane and lost a couple of places. Dirty tyres meant he lost a few more at the next corner, and the safety car came out about four corners after he'd made that mistake, and the race didn't restart, so he ended up, ah. uh, I believe, seventh uh, classified mm. in that one when he, he really should have been second. So uh, a big missed opportunity, but... Um, yeah, I've been talking about Logan a fair bit about his future and his potential with Williams. So I've been down there a lot. And yeah, spoke to Alex on Thursday. Uh, and I think he'd say similar after today because I did speak to his trainer, actually, um, who was just uh, taking a, a push bike down the down the paddock. This is the kind of behind the scenes stuff I know you guys want to know. Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's people that want they want their bikes going into trucks to stay in Europe so they get moved around for free for them. So uh, the trainer <laughs> wants to do a few laps of the circuit at each venue he goes to. So he went and fetched his bike and was taking it down to the uh, to the team kind of motorhome to make sure it went in one of the transporters so that it'll be in Barcelona, the next European race. So he doesn't have to, you know, fly it anywhere. So that's the sort of thing, you know, the little, the little cheats that these uh, people are doing. But yeah, I, I had a chat to him about Alex's performance and they were very, very happy, mainly at his consistency, but also at the pace he had. And they said there was a little window late in the race where if he'd have been able to get within DRS range of Ocon, they think they'd have been past him. They think they had fresher tyres, um, or, or tires are in a better condition and the pace to get past Ocon, but they just were starting from a few seconds too far back and, and didn't get in DRS range when they needed to. Uh, and if it had done that, they think maybe they could have had to go at Stroll and, and a point could have been on the cards. But the main thing that Alex is doing is just consistently outperforming that car because it is not an easy car to drive. Um, and I spoke to Jos Capito this morning, who he said kind of similar that you know he's come in and, and led the team in a similar way that George Russell did which is a, a real compliment I think to Alex Albon uh, and he said he'd underestimated the value of the year out that Alex had had because of the way he can give feedback to the team ask for certain things demand certain things of them he's seen what Verstappen and Perez do at Red Bull and what works and what really doesn't with engineers and things like that so uh, said he's been very effective and he's slotted in really well so yeah another another impressive performance from Albon today I think you know, it's funny. You, I think of Albon, uh, he kind of had that deer in the headlights look after chewed up and spit out by the Red Bull team. And uh, when I we sat down with him at Coda, I guess a year or two ago. But anyway, it, it's fun to see him doing good again. And I'm glad you got to catch up with him. Well, Chris, we are pretty much out of time. We got about a minute left. Anything else left on your plate for us today? Well, I'm just watching Lando Norris heading down to do uh, his own TV interviews. So they pulled rank on me, but uh, he's got a big old smile on his face. I think that's another takeaway is the turnaround at McLaren. Um, but the fluctuations we've seen, we, you know, this weekend, look at Aston Martin. I spoke to Mike Crack on the grid, you know, sadly with my connection issues. I don't think we managed to, to play it out at the time. But he was saying, yeah, it's wet. This gives us a bit of a chance to do something. Um, but we'll have to see how the car is in the dry. You know, we, we just kind of hope things happen. Yeah. But I think the team were just pretty strong, weren't they? They, yeah. they got it done, got both cards in the points, looked consistent all day. There's a lot of fluctuations in form that are going to continue, I think, this season. So whoever you're a fan of, don't write off your year. Like, you could go to one race and you could be right at the sharp end, you know, even if the next week you're right at the back. Yeah. Hey, Les. Um, Works to live by. Chris, we've got Oscar, Oscar Piastri coming on the Wheel to Wheel show next week. But uh, Les, you said he was out of Coda? He was out of Coda this week, uh, doing a couple of his activities that are required for super license qualification. And so he is uh, 
said, getting those things knocked out. I know there was FI uh, yep. physicians with him, uh, some other technical folks. And Bob Varsha was asking, uh, ask us during the breaks, that, has that happened often at Dakota? And it oh, does, yeah. actually. Not, I wouldn't call it often, but we get definitely some F1 cars. It was in a, a year or two old uh, car. Last but, year. But yeah. guys, we're out of time. Chris Medlin, thanks, buddy. Thanks for calling in from, uh, from Emila with the live updates. It was fantastic. We appreciate it. See you soon. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week, next Sunday night. Cheers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.